What's up, Video Landers? It's time for another Pantheon Companion episode. I'm your host tonight, Gary Mac McFall, and sitting next to me is my very best friend and co-host, Diamond Doug Prime. Yes, Dr. Diamond Doug, I understand. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. Check us out. You'll see that we are Critics with Attitude. It's common on Adventures in Video Land podcast episodes to hear some language that's... Uh, how would you describe it, Doug? Potty words. Impolite? Maybe vulgar. Like, bad, with air quotes around it. But, you know, that's not really our style. It's not. It's not. We're a little bit more PG-13. PG-13. That is us. All right. Uh, last time Doug and I were here, we were talking about uh, the nomination, the first nomination of the year, which was Dear Zachary. And uh, so just to kind of wrap that up, we did not think that it was going to make Pantheon. And did not. as it turns out, 2 to 11, it did not. It did not. 2 to 11. All right. One more thing, and I'm legally obligated here to say spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Boogie Nights this, this uh, episode. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want us to ruin it for you, pause this episode and come back later. Insert pause here. <laughs> That's just in my notes. I'm not supposed to say that part. And I'll say, uh, <laughs> you can find it on Amazon Prime. You can. Amazon Prime. It is free if you have an Amazon Prime account. Uh, and if you don't, it's a couple of bucks, I think, to rent it. That being said, we are talking about Pantheon nomination number two for 2019 Boogie Nights, which is Paul Thomas Anderson's love letter to the 1970s porn industry. Before we get started... Doug, you know, we meet and hang out with a lot of people, and they often ask us the same question, which is... What is Pantheon? That's right. So, Dr. Diamond Doug, in your own words, why don't you just answer the question for us? What sure. is Pantheon? Sure, sure. Uh, so I would say, for me, Pantheon is a movie that hits on all of the cylinders, whether it's casting, acting, directing... Uh, screenplay, cinematography, score. I even throw in special effects there, special right? Effects, yeah. Uh, for this movie, there's one very <laughs> prominent sure. piece of special. Two, if you yeah. count uh, Burt Reynolds here. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But uh, but for, but definitely, it's a movie that hits on all the cylinders across the board. What would you say about Pantheon? You know, I think also what's important about Pantheon is it's not just like a movie that you've loved. And I've probably said this a hundred times, but it's not just a movie you've loved from way back when you were a kid or or a movie that you know that the critics love. Uh, it is a movie that is above and beyond others across all the categories that you just mentioned. And if I just throw this out there, the way it works here for Adventures in Videoland is that there's 11 votes overall. Nine people on the council with... Uh, uh, that there's uh, somebody on... There's a guest voter as well as a Facebook poll that's right and uh that overall that there has to be a two-thirds majority which so which seven. means seven votes out of the 11 possible must be for yes must be for yes for a movie to achieve pantheon a little bit later we'll be doing the facebook poll ourselves actually voting in the facebook poll so the winner of the facebook poll uh yes or no ends up being one of these votes and then as you said again there's a total of 11 got to get seven votes to make pantheon you can look back at Adventures in Video Land Pantheon through history. You could see some of the movies that did or didn't make it into Pantheon. Uh, but tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about Boogie Nights. So, let's get into this review. As I said, uh, we are talking about the second Pantheon nomination for this season, Boogie Nights. Doug, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us a synopsis of the film. Sure. Uh, I was looking through a bunch of different synopses to find one that kind of spoke to me, and I found one from Common Sense Media. And they say, uh, Boogie Nights details the swift rise to stardom of Dirk Diggler, starring, uh, played by Mark Wahlberg, whose large physical endowment and refreshing innocence makes him the bright light of the late 1970s porn industry, along with his success... 
Dirk gains access to the extended family he's long been missing. In the home and arms of Jack Horner, played by Burt Reynolds, and Amber Waves, played by Julian Moore, truly astonishing in an early role, Dirk finds warmth, security, love, and a host of vivid characters and friendship. It isn't long, however, until self-delusion, narcissism, and changing industry plunge them all into an abyss of brutality, fear, and self-destruction. We have all been there. Uh... I've also heard it's a story about a guy with a big, you know what, nose. Yeah, arm. That's right. It's Cyrano de Bergerac in his pants. I heard. I heard one. It was pretty straightforward, and uh, I believe that the person who read this to me was reading to me from IMDb. But it was something like it's the story of a young man's adventure in the '70s porn industry in Southern California. Yeah, that was shorter than mine. Yeah, not better. Yours was much more detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there were so many characters in this movie, and, and the different reviews would sometimes focus on, besides Dirk Diggler, some of the other characters, Amber Waves, you mentioned, played by Julianne Moore, uh, Roller Girl, Roller yeah. Girl, Heather played Graham. by Heather Grant, she was amazing. Uh, 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 how about uh, Reed Rothschild, played by John C. Riley? That's right. Uh, uh, when we see that exact character another time, we'll talk about a little bit later, I believe. Got uh, uh, William H. Macy playing Will, little, little Bill. Little Bill. And his wife, Nina Hartley, who's a porn star. An actual porn star. Yeah, she was there. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, he was By in the there. By the way, uh, and we might talk, I hope we talk about this a little bit, there were four actors that were a part of this movie that are no longer with us. That's right. And there were three scenes in the movie where all four of them were together in the scene, in the shot for a brief second, yep. which I thought was kind of interesting, but uh, we can talk about that another time. All right, so Don, and Don Cheadle. Oh, don't forget Don Cheadle. Yeah. We can't forget Don Cheadle. Can't forget there Don were Cheadle. others. There There's were others, but yeah, a lot of names and people that you've seen before. There was there was several that guy from the thing. Several of those. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the, you see his face, you're like, or her face, you're like, oh yeah, I know that one. But there was a lot of people. This was not um, an independent kind of uh, thrown together thing with one or two top actors and actresses. This was actually a uh, a, a stacked deck of casting that put this thing together. All right, uh, some origins, some origins. Uh, it's been said that the Dirk Diggler storyline is uh, parallels, if not is directly uh, uh, correlated to the rise and fall of John Holmes from the same era in the porn industry. Uh, John Holmes, he of the ginormous member, uh, the director of this movie, uh, Purported, purportedly thirteen point something inches, I, but it's it, but it was never confirmed one way or the other. Well, you know, yeah, uh, uh, that's how that goes. Uh, the 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 little scene at the end where they show Dirk Diggler's uh, private parts, yeah, uh, does suggest that they're aiming in that same ballpark. Uh, for their for that, but we we can get to that as we talk about other things. Yeah, uh, with Marky Mark besides the size of his Johnson. All right, so uh, the director of this movie, what was his name, Doug? Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. He has a famous uh, family lineage. His father is that voice from the thing that you've heard a billion, million, trillion times. On Love Boat. Not just a love boat. It's that same voice that you would hear narrating at the beginning of many movies. You know, Billy was a wonderful kid who did such and such. I can't imitate his voice. Yeah. But once you hear it, you're like, oh, no, I know that voice. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy. Well, that actually is the director's father. And he did not get this movie because of his father. Uh, in fact, this movie came from... Uh, effectively a full-length version of something he did his very first movie called The Dirk Diggler Story. When he was in high school. When he was in high school, he made a 30-minute mockumentary yeah. about Dirk Diggler. Very common uh, storylines. You'll If you watch this, you can find it on YouTube. You can just look <clears> up The Dirk Diggler Story. If you watch this 30-minute quickie, you'll, you'll see shots in it that are... Almost shot for scene shot. Scene for scene. The song is the same. The songs are the same. The, the names. Reed Rothschild. Dirk and Diggler. Dirk Diggler. You've got uh, other things like um, that you, they mentioned the 78 vet 
in there. He said when he said uh, before I die, all I want is a cool seventy eight vet or something along the lines. A pretty cool quote. And the, uh, the they've got the karate moves that show up. He's and, major yeah. in karate. The scenes in his porn movies where he would be running across a two sloped yeah. steel roof and barely keeping his footing, yep. wearing his Italian fancy shoes and and uh, stopping yeah. and turning and firing his gun. Are those lizard? No. They're Italian. No, they're Italian. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the arrogance of the character, uh, uh, showing that, uh, indicating that you know he he felt like he was above and beyond the whole the whole thing. He was making art, not porn. It does uh, break away from that, however. It does in that thirty minute film that it ends with Dirk Diggler who dies. Yeah, he, uh, he of a drug o- overdoses on and, a set. In our story, that doesn't happen. That does not happen. The end of uh, the end of Boogie Nights does not end with Marky Mark's character. Uh, ODing. So these are some of the origins of this movie, the the beginnings of it, and a little bit of the background of the director. The director uh, was picked up by New Line to make this movie because they were at a point, New Line was at a point, they had done The Mask and a bunch of other movies and made some hits and had some money, and they were willing to take some chances, and they convinced themselves to take a chance on this guy uh, after watching his 30-minute movie that he had made and after listening to his ideas about who he would cast in different roles some of those ideas were who was actually cast in those roles some were uh, interestingly not the same characters yeah. and p- just prior to that he had paul thomas anderson had hate eight which was something else but it was a movie that went sideways where at the very end that he got locked out of the editing room because he got in a fight with yes. the produce, with the uh the the managing company and that's sort of stuff hard eight hard eight yeah. which is a reno nevada like uh, Ocean's Eleven, yeah. almost kind of movie, but that takes place in Reno, yeah. and then he got cut out of it. But that was his first big film, like 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 studio film, and he didn't even finish it. No, he didn't finish yeah. it. The studio kicked him out, locked him out. They did all the final editing, some of the reshoots and and looping and the, the voiceover stuff. But but uh, he you know he still gets credit for directing that movie. Um, but when he went into this one, he's like, I'm not going to let the same things happen again. I'm going to maintain control to the end. And to make it happen, you know, there's a lot of details about how he actually made that happen. So, uh, Mr. Mack, I've got a couple of numbers here, if that's okay. Yeah. Can I read those out? These I, are I numbers this. about... These, these are both money numbers and uh, ratings, some ratings numbers. On Boogie Nights. On Boogie Nights. Uh, and if we can, if you want to circle back to the Dirk Diggler story, we can do that. But the, uh, uh, so... Uh, Boogie Nights, 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 8.1 out of 10. And then Metacritic gives it an 85 out of 100. Uh, Common Sense Media, 4 out of 5 stars. Google users, 84% like it. That's when you just like Google it. That's It comes up on the side. IMDb gives it a 7.9 out of 10. And then um, as far as budget, that... They, they budgeted the film at $15 million, and they pulled in a gross for U.S. and Canada at 26.5. So right. they made, uh, not good at math, but $11.4 million just from that uh, yep. uh, worldwide of $16.7 million. So I looked up, we chatted about butts and seats before yeah. the BSI. Last in, month, so yeah. the butts and seats index, mm-hmm. so the BSI. Uh, so I calculated that. I found a source uh, from Box Office Mojo. That puts the average ticket price in 1997, which is when the film was released, October 10, 1997, at $4.59. All right. So, and then if you divide out just by the gross USA and Canada, that that this movie has a BSI of 5.8 million butts in seats. For yeah. just for for U.S. and Canada. So what would you compare that to? So so and I, I looked up a couple of different other ones just to say okay how does this compare to other movies? I was thinking of American Hustle, which reminded me of Boogie Nights a little bit, same time frame mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, that when I calculated it out had an eighteen point five million butts and in seats index. Mm-hmm. So so this one has five point eight. That one has like. 12 million more butts and seats. All right, so uh, go crazy. Compared and to, Avengers, uh, yeah, right? Avengers, Avengers right? Infinity War, 74 million. Butts and seats. Butts and seats. The BSI of 74 million. So so in, in terms of talking about, like, cr- like how did the movie do, it, it, it made a profit, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't crazy. Its target market is different. I mean, to be fair, That's you right. know, uh, Avengers' target market is very broad from the comic book like aficionados all the way through just 
kids who love watching these great movies. Uh, that the uh, the bo- so Boogie Nights is also going to have about the same running length as the uh, End Game is. Uh, so two, two, two and, and a half, half hours. <laughs> that's right. When I explain this to other people, I'm like, so Dirk Diggler is not the only thing that's kind of excessively long about this film. The runtime is also two minutes and thirty two. Yeah, two hours and thirty two minutes. So well, and, yeah. and I think, uh, as I remember, the original cut that he uh, delivered to the studio was a little over three hours, but his contract said. Keep it under three hours. Yeah, and he was arguing about whether or not it was going to be NC-17. Yep. Or, or But his R. contract said R, so yeah. he had no choice. And then I don't know if you heard this one, but a little, little side note. One of the executive producers took the whole film and cut it down to two hours. And they did screenings of this two-hour version of the film. And the director was seen walking up and down the line of people on the sidewalk, I telling see. them this movie sucks. Yeah, yeah. For that screening, <laughs> it's like you're gonna hate you're it. Gonna this hate is this, this movie's movie. horrible. This movie's horrible. <laughs> so he wanted to tank it so that he could add extra length to it, <laughs> which obviously he did. Add the extra length. He did. Yes, he did. All right. So let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, let's talk about the script and storyline. So, you know, you, you look at a movie and you think, okay, it has a story arc, you know, the, the three-act or the five-act type movie. We had a five-act movie uh, last month. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that. But, uh, but in this one, um, it felt to me like while there was a story arc of the discovery, the high point, the low point, and redemption of the character, it felt like all the characters themselves were flatlined in their current, like, in their growth. Absolutely. That, that is something I saw on Mental Floss about, like, some things that you want to know about this film. One is that there is no character arc. Like, mm-hmm. nobody grows. The, the film starts in 77, ends in, what, 82 or something like or that? 83. It's like five years' time, mm-hmm. nobody has grown. No like, no Dirk Diggler is doing karate in a mirror in the beginning and the end of the movie. Jack Horner is the same guy, the same skis who's getting young people to get in his porn films. That, so that, how old are you? 17. Awesome. Moving on. Close enough. Amber <laughs> Waves is, is still this coked out mom who thinks she's a great mom. And then, yeah. Uh, Buck is still selling stereos. Still selling stereos. Like, you name it. Nobody has grown. And Buck actually goes down a notch in that in order to sell stereos sees a yeah. bag of money while he's standing amongst a series of corpses you have to see the movie to pick up those little details and he takes the money to open his own stereo store yeah. but up in but an v- excellent choice of putting him in a full white suit for that scene so when the squib <laughs> goes off he is covered in viscera mm. oh, it, nothing it, like a donut man's brains on your I'll suit I'll tell you that this is a side note to everything. That is maybe the most complete donut order I've seen on film in my life. He went through the entire dozen donuts of what he wanted. I'm telling um, you, I watched that scene the first time. It's like, I if watched you it again this morning. Minutes, I'll do the whole scene. I'll have um, uh, oh, a cruller. So and <laughs> it was shot from behind the counter, yeah. the perspective of the donut shop yeah. worker, or the donut looking through the glass, yeah, or the donut yeah. looking through the glass, and you see the guy's hand grab. No, not this one. No, no, wait. Yeah, yes, that one. Perfect. Yeah. Ooh, are those Christmas donuts? <laughs> did you guys like? Did you decorate those like for Christmas? Oh, cool. I'll take a couple of those. Like Paul freaking Anderson, what are you doing? <laughs> I felt like that scene might have been improv and then I read, uh, I don't remember where I read it, that it was not only not improv that they had to get him to memorize the lines so that he could say them naturally. It was not improv Yeah, or he could have just said, like, pick out 12, and he was like, I'll have a dozen donuts. Really? And that's it. Like, that's a whole scene. Yeah. Put so, up your hands! And it wasn't even like there was all that much going on during the donut selection. I thought later, I thought, wow, that's weird. Because the other side scene that happens that ends up with the blood and the gore and the bag of money, that happens 
after he's done picking all 12 donuts. Yeah, and he never gets the donuts. He spent all that time. Well, they he never got the donuts. They were covered yeah. in blood. I know. Let's yeah. be honest. That, yeah. yeah. That's that's not, that's so not during, jelly. During that scene, Oh Come All, oh, oh, like, oh, Come All You Faithful is playing, or, or yeah. Little Town of Bethlehem. No, it's a Little Town of Bethlehem. That's a Little Town of Bethlehem. I'm like, is Boogie Nights a Christmas movie? That's what I was Ooh. wondering. That, that the... Uh, that might be a discussion for another day, but yeah. let's put a pin in it All because right. we're going to probably have a we is are. it a Christmas movie discussion at some point. By the way, here, Boogie Nights fun facts back. that the donut shop owner and the guy who was shooting the gun both in their regular acting jobs are normally just stuntmen. Oh. Yeah. There were a lot of people in Boogie Nights that acted in the Dirk Diggler story. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me that these no. two guys were in the Dirk Diggler story. These are just story. normally like stunt stunt people that are like, hey, you want to do some actual acting? Just a, a real quick one. The Burt Reynolds character, uh, uh, the director, uh, he was actually played by the guy from Boogie Nights who plays the... Rob, the Robert Ridgely, who yeah, plays the, the colonel. The pedophile colonel. Who, who likes, likes him young. Very, very young. Very thin, very boyish looking. All right. Back. Back to the script and story. So, no one, you know, it, the storyline tells the story. It's exactly as described. It tells the story of Dirk Diggler and this, the, the, all the parallel characters and the surrounding characters around him. Uh, there's a lot of little side stories like Little Pill, Little Bill, played by William H. Macy, and his philandering, serial philandering wife, openly serial philandering wife. In fact, during a party, is just out in the driveway uh, getting it on. Uh, while people stand around and watch. There's so many stories and things going on that I, as someone who feels like I'm sucked into the movie when I watch, I can get a little a little lost in the side stories and that this one didn't get resolved and that one didn't get resolved. Okay, but I'm back on the train. We're following Dirk, you know, or we're following uh, the main storyline here. But I personally thought that the script and story was compelling. This is one of the things we talk about. What is Pantheon? Is the storyline compelling as a script written well to draw in i personally felt it was but i'll say mostly okay mostly yeah little too oh little too not it's uh, the it's little the too it's the length spread. again where yeah. like you know how you say like you get sucked into the story I and you do. become all the characters I and do. congrats on being dirk diggler oh that i was, was i was no, little bill's yeah. wife for yeah, a no, while yeah, it was crazy yeah, it was good whereas i when i watch the stuff that's not how i watch it but i I find myself empathizing with the director, mm. like, you know, like, emotionally mm. going for the ride of the person who put together the story right, right. of the experience. And at one point, I felt like the guy who was in the truck with Dirk Diggler towards the end of the movie. Yeah, waiting where for him I to was, hurry the hell up. Where, no, where <laughs> I, I had paid Paul Thomas Anderson to uh, pleasure finish. himself, and, and I was finish. just watching like that for like, the movie. Did, so. you, did you think you might drag him out in the parking yeah. lot and kick his ass? Well, at one point. It was like, come on, Paul. Come on, <laughs> man. All right, let's talk about casting and acting. You got uh, it. I, I would like to start with, I think that for the most part, I felt like the characters were cast very well. I yep. thought the people who, even the little roles, the, <laughs> the Philip Seymour Hoffman's role, uh, he, he was cast, I think, uh, perfectly, I read something from him where he said he actually had no idea what this character was supposed to be until someone told him, imagine a grown man who still thinks he's a 14-year-old boy. Yep. Uh, and then I went, oh, ding, I got it, right? So I, I get it, I, and he, of course, nailed it because Philip Seymour Hoffman was, I think, one of the top five or six male in, actors. In every role he plays. He, he goes I, all I in. don't recall anything where he was terrible. I recall a lot of stuff where I really liked him. Or he fit the role so much that I didn't even see Philip Seymour Hoffman. I actually just saw the character he was yep. playing. Yep. Um, I thought that uh, that uh, Heather Graham's character, she had very few lines. Most of them were vapid. But that's the character she was Everyone playing. was vapid. Fair enough. Everyone was vapid. Yeah. Uh, one, the one emotional moment she had where she asked Amber Waves if she would be her mom. She, she delivered it as somebody who's super jacked on coke would ask someone else if That's they right. would be their mom. So, but I still think she was cast well. Hey, fun fact, I brought some Coke for us tonight. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, yeah. so, Grandma, as you listen to this, uh, he did not act, he meant Coca-Cola. Yeah, so anyway, uh, so uh, what do you think about the casting? Give me, give me your... I your, thought it was good. Answer. I thought even down to the level of even the smaller characters, the, the like guy who does the line of like 
he's crying and he's like, what's wrong? He's like, this is the second time this in two days that somebody's OD'd on me. Like, he like he was in like I, like he did a good job like the all in like the guy who was chatting with William Macy uh, while his wife was uh, getting done in the background yeah, like he, he the did lighting a, guy yeah like he he did a good job and that's that's one of those guys that guy in the thing that's one of those faces you've seen a thousand times yeah you know who he is I even liked I even liked Robert uh, Ridgely as the Colonel like I thought he was excellent I liked him. he he delivered my favorite line in the whole movie which was which was. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> it was just the it was the may I see it? Pause. Ah, uh, like, that's right. Zoop. Silence, silence, silence. He kind of gives a little head nod. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. And then just stays there. And like that like I just thought that was perfect. And Eddie being Dirk Diggler. Yeah, Dirk Diggler. It was the same day that he picked the name. Yep. But it was earlier in the day. And the colonel's also the one who said, listen, I, can, I, can, I can't give you any advice that you haven't already, re- already received because... But a, pick a name. But you really need a name yeah. that's just going to drive things. And later that day, Eddie comes up with Dirk Diggler. That's right. Which is, you know, a pretty, pretty much a pivot point. I have a question for you, All right, Mr. Mack. Okay, I'm open. Uh, have you ever given thought to what your name would be My if you were an adult film star? What your name would be? I uh, I have actually. That's an interesting question. Uh, I have, and it's kind of built in because it's a it's a family name. It's an inherited name, John Thomas. Yeah, John Thomas. It's a natural. <laughs> that that is that that is excellent. No H starring John Thomas. No, J O N. No H's anywhere. Uh, in the Thomas, no okay. H in the John. Sure, yeah, J O N John, yeah. Thomas. Uh, yeah, and no kidding. How about you? I have two uh, that you can choose from. I, do I get to pick? Yeah, well, and from now and one, forevermore. One, one is one is an honor of this movie. All right, I'll, I I was thinking uh, Dirk Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's an honor of two things, I think. Yeah, and then the other is uh, Chubby Chase. Chubby Chase. Yeah, Chubby Chase. You know, Chubby Chase could be, and this is no disrespect intended, Doctor Doug. Chubby Chase could either be the name of a male or female yeah, you porn know, star. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying because people's tastes are all over the board. All right, sorry, I deviated. Oh from, no, I'm totally in. Your, yeah, I, I'm uh, totally in. So let's talk about videography. We, we mentioned a few minutes ago uh, that uh, the scene in the donut shop was uh, was pretty cool because of the way that he shot it, like through the case yep. and the slight nose. But how about videography across the entire movie? How about why don't you give me a two, three, a handful of of scenes where you felt like the director did well, or maybe you just didn't get it? All right, so uh, there was a. So one of the things that this movie and I thought cinematography, just the the, the direction choice of how was, how it was filmed overall was 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 pretty, let's say artistic. I'll give you that. Uh, the first scene was an opening three minute uncut single shot scene. Did, did you think Goodfellas when you saw that scene? Because at the beginning of Goodfellas, there's this through scene like through a club, through a building, like. The then, camera follows follow what's happening, and he set and, and like nothing is wasted the whole nope. time. You meet all the characters, you set all the exposition, you lay out all the hierarchies, and you get a tone for like where is the set, like time, music, all of it, all of it. So like and and uh, like just the thought that goes into that. They weren't is... even shy. They put the movie's <clears throat> title on a theater marquee yeah. as the. One of the very yeah. first shots you yeah. saw before they panned over to the club and then panned in, went into the doors. Yeah. Yeah, the whole We'll deal. get back to it. That's not even the first thing in the movie. Oh, that's true. Because there's a little musical score that comes before yeah. it and shows up later, which is also excellent. We can get to that. So, the long shots. There was also a long shot with William Macy, when uh, little, little Bill, when he walks into the party, when it's the ni- turning 1980, and he goes, finds his wife. Who, course, who of course, with Adam yeah, like in flagrado yeah. again, and then goes out, puts his champagne on the car, gets his gun, walks in, and then takes the shot, Does shot, the thing, shot, comes out, smiles, 
takes kills himself. himself almost at the count of midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Like those those shots were excellent. I also thought I also thought that the cutscenes uh were pretty cool. That like it was a good like it was an artistic and an interesting use of cutscenes between that there was these little vignettes where they would like show a shoelace and then back up. They didn't not, not shoelace itself, but like they would show yeah. they would cook breakfast like and then do these quick cut shots of the food that was cooking or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then back or um, the one I'm rem- the one I'm thinking of is as the like the elevation of Dirk Diggler as he's getting more and more famous and they start layering these other shots on top like it's a comic book Clip, the clips from the movies he was making yeah this was this was Mark <clears throat> Mark Wahlberg playing a character playing a character playing a character yeah and those are some of the ones we talked about earlier that were shot for shot from the original 30 minute Dirk Diggler story or many of them were but they were important because they started to show why uh, his character started to feel uh, like he was the one in charge. Like yeah. nobody should really be telling Hubris. him what to do. Yep, he's the big star. Everybody else needs to bow down to him. And then like flipping back and forth between the old style, like the 1970s 35 millimeter tanned out yeah. uh, sepia tone yellowed film mm-hmm. uh, of the porn shots yep. themselves, and then back and forth. I thought that was good. So like there was a lot of cool cut shots, cool angles, these long shots. Um, so all those are interesting. There was mm-hmm. a couple times where, like, uh, I don't know why it didn't stick with me well, but the one time when Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in and sees Dirk Diggler, and then they do the 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 close the aperture right on Dirk Diggler, like that that wasn't that technique wasn't used any other time, and it was different. Like it was a different style. Yeah. So. It was one of the few times you saw the world through Philip Seymour Hoffman's character's eyes. Yeah, and so most of the time he was just background fluff in and out of the scene, and you could kind of get a feel for what he was his his character was doing. But there wasn't stuff from his point of view very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, what'd you think? So I felt like uh, I did. I liked the long shots. There were several. There was some during parties. One I recall followed them uh, running. Actually, right after he uh, showed the colonel. Uh, his Johnson, and then uh, turned, and there was this long, uh, a long uh, continuous shot following him running, jumping into the pool, being underwater, coming back out of the water, doing a few other things. It was like then his experience of the party, uh, at the party being, you know, uh, elated that he had been accepted, you know, into that the colonel, who's the one who provides the money for the whole thing, was giving him the nod of approval, and he's like, yeah, I'm in. At least that's the, the feeling I got. It was that long shot. There were some long shots uh, with um, the scenes the when they were shooting the the movies. There were shots in, like you were watching a documentary, sort of, because it would turn and show the Burt Reynolds character and and the, you know the, the 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 William Macy and the sound guy, and it would turn back and show the scene uh, with the with the characters who were getting ready to shoot the scene. They weren't quite there. It was showing a lot of like the mechanics of how movies were made. Um, there's one long continuous shot that was pretty cool um, I, I, and we're going to get into music in a minute but I felt like he, the director did not overdo it this is my impression I think other people will have a different opinion on this but he didn't overdo it in mixing the music either song title or lyrics with what was actually happening so the music wasn't narrating the movie yeah. um, but the music felt appropriate and of course I was born in the 60s. I'm older than, you know, dirt. But I, I grew up with music from the 70s and early 80s. And uh, that music just, you know, kind of speaks to me. I know all those songs. And so it felt like the director knew them too, even though I know he's much younger than me. Yeah. Did you feel like, so this is just thoughts coming yeah. out, is that the, um, so when I watched it, I was like, this had a definite, like, two-part feel to it right so it like you had the 70s and then the 80s that was like there was two sides to the movie because he transitioned and in his character and in as far as cinematography is concerned that i felt like the first half had a lot more like warm colors reds and yellows and oranges and the back half had a lot like dark and cold like so the first half was a lot more bright 
and like had brighter, more vibrant colors. And then you went into the eighties, and things were a lot more blue tones with like blacks and grays and whites. So like, did did you notice the transition when they were filming from film cans to VHS tapes? It was at that point that it felt to me like, and it may have been a treatment that they did on the film, or it may have been that they filmed that part of the movie with a different camera. They filmed I don't the know. inside the limo portions of that with, with a the VHS video. camera. Yeah, VHS camera. But I'm saying the movie itself, <clears throat> right about the time that they, in making the, the, the videos they were making, they went from tape, or film I should say, to VHS tape, the film itself changed and it got dingier and yeah, skankier is a wrong word. It got just kind of cheaper. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it didn't feel as to, luxe, to quote know? to quote uh, uh, that the, the the videographer, the guy who died. I can't remember his character's name, but yeah. like his name is like Jay Rye. No, yeah, anyway, Ray. Um, but at at one point, when after uh, after they're walking through and they're looking at the the cut of the VHS porn, and he says. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, and that encapsulates the whole ethos of that portion. Yeah, and that was the time period when uh, Diggler's character, Mark Wahlberg's character, had left, had, had got into an argument with the director, had left, and the new guy on the block, new guy on the street, new kid on the street was doing all the videos, and he was exactly the kind of, uh, of uh, a pornographer, a porn star, that Dirk Diggler's character did not like. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get to, and we talked about the soundtrack, just a real real short note from me. I thought the soundtrack nailed it. Yeah, like the, probably the best portion of the movie itself. The soundtrack. Was the soundtrack. Like, it, it, it just hit, like the soundtrack was just fantastic. Um, I've got, uh, I've got a, let's see. Some songs, Ain't No Stopping Us, Afternoon Delight, Boogie Shoes, Sister Christian, the mm-hmm. whole scene yeah. with the, the firecrackers. The firecrackers. Uh, Living Thing, like that's at the end, uh, by ELO, mm-hmm. which uh, there's a connection to Guardians of the Galaxy there's in this movie. a living thing. So, but that, the when they're at the Coke dealer's house, and he has the awesome mixtape. Yes. I'm pretty sure that Guardians of the Galaxy has awesome mixtape. Here's the other, actually, straight up. Here's the other thing. He, the drug dealer who has those mixtapes, says, this is mixtape number, I don't know, like 11? And he puts it in and it says mixtape 6. Yeah. Right on it, which for me, that's one of those like, I get ripped out of the movie when that happens. But I was also pulled out of the movie the first time I saw it because of the scene in the we touched talk about yeah. the scene in the in the house with the drug dealer uh, his uh, his friend little skinny uh the Chinese uh, guy the Chinese guy walking around popping off random firecrackers I first time I saw this movie I went I've seen that before yeah and I, I couldn't I get said it. that to you earlier you today you said to me and I'm like I've seen that before maybe back when I was in college or something what was the name of that the uh it's a it's a Robert Downey Robert Downey movie, right? Yeah. Not Downey Jr. Like Symptom Wang or something oh. like that. Yeah, the, the guy's name, the character's yeah. name, he's named Wang Sony. Yeah, which you said. Or Sony Wang. Not Chinese at all. No, neither know. neither name. But <laughs> but in the, not in not in Boogie Nights he wasn't called that. Putney, Putney Swope, 1969. Putney yeah. Swope. And directed by... Oh, that that was directed by Robert Downey Senior, Robert Downey who's Senior. in this, who's in also in this movie. He is, and he is in this movie as the uh, the um, uh, sound studio, one of the production assistants, producer. Yeah. No, the one that wouldn't give them the tapes if they didn't pay. Yeah, okay, that's the guy. That's Robert Downey Senior, uh, to a bit part in Boogie Nights, which is like I think we mentioned already. The cast is stacked. So, so, um, so you had mentioned that there was a couple of times where. Um, so that the, the, in, in cheap films, according to like what we've chatted about before in conversations that movies that are like so on point, we're not talking about Miami connection fun on point, whereas like bikers by night, ninjas by night, steal all your cocaine, like while they're stealing the cocaine, right? like that when a, when a movie like tells its exposition, 
in the music in the music while it's doing the thing that it it's cringy for you. Yeah, that kind of makes me cringe. There was there was a couple of times where they did that. There was the the one that I was thinking of is the brand new key by Catherine McPhee, where that's about the roller skates. Well, oh, I got a brand new brand new roller skates. You got a brand new key. Yeah. So and that was right yeah. before uh, Roller Girl jumps on top of Dirk. Yeah. In, in the house I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. Brand that's Roller, roller Girl. Yeah. You've got a brand new key. The key is his. It's his penis. Yeah, and I think we should get together and try them on and see. Yeah. That's them doing it in That's front of Burt Reynolds, smoking his little, like, seat. Yeah. At the party, when the phone rings. Oh, there's a few. There's a few. Yeah. But this one's another one that stood out to me. At the party, when uh, the, the Dirk gets his name party, the with the colonel and the girl who sure. ODs. At that party, the phone rings, and the club owner is at the party. Louise. And he answers the phone. Louise. Mar- yeah. Maurice. Maurice. And he answers the phone, and he's like, hello. Yeah, no, there's no whatever her real yeah. name is. Yeah, yeah, Amber Wave's real name. She's not here. And he walks around and asks if she's there, but she's in the back getting high, and she's totally out of it. And so he comes back and tells tells the poor kid on the phone, uh, no one's here, your mom's not here, and hangs up the phone. The song that was playing was, uh, um, oh, shoot. What was the song that was playing? It was, uh, it was, uh, well, the point is, the song was about a kid who never got to spend time with their parents. Oh, Cats in the Cradle? Cats in the Cradle, thank you. It was Cats in the Cradle, <laughs> I guess. Cats in the Cradle in the Sims. Yeah, it was, yeah, and so, you know, there was a few times like that, but where they were at least alluding, but the, you're right, yeah. the, the Roller Skate song was straight up yeah. narrating the scene. Yeah. All right, so, uh, we've talked about our some of our favorite characters. Can I, can I pause? Go on, for it. On the soundtrack, my favorite thing is actually a instrumental piece composed for the film by Michael Penn, The Big Top, mm-hmm. which is, as I had mentioned before, the thing that happens before the opening long shot, yes. which is this circus piece that is mournful. Like it's a little kind of like weird, but it's definitely a like it's it's you're listening and you say, oh, this is the circus, and it feels and like you know it. Yeah, it's original, it, but it feels like it feels you like know it's a song, song that you've heard from the circus before. Yeah, but it's also sad. Yeah, and they play it at the beginning before everything, and it's weird. Yeah, they play it over a black screen, over a black screen, and then like boogie, like you it pans yeah. down along the marquee, and the camera actually turns sideways, and then flattens back out, and you see Boogie Nights. So the big, the big top shows up several points in the movie, uh, including uh, so they they start with it and they end with it, yeah. like it comes up at the very end. Yeah, they also shows up over when Burt Reynolds, uh, Jack Horner, is walking amongst his videotapes through the warehouse as yes. well. Um, and, uh, I was reading about this and they said the purpose of the song was just kind of to serve as a, a warning to say, you're watching a circus. These are the circus freaks. Nothing is really going to be happy here, but they are who they are. And they're okay with it. They and are. they're okay with that. Like, this is a different world than your world. Yeah. And you're going to come and watch it, yeah. but you're not part of it. No. And they're not part of yours. Right. Like a sideshow. Yeah, uh, it, but it, but it's definitely it's like this is not a happy tale. It's just a tale. It's just a tale, yeah. a, and like that song really encapsulates that kind of concept. So Burt Reynolds was talking at one point. Uh, his character Jack Horner was talking at one point about making movies where it wasn't just a poor movie, so that people can come in and like see a part they want to see and get their jollies off and then leave the theater, but that the story sucks them in. And makes yeah. him, what happens? Wait, what happens to the character? What happens to the guy? And uh, he was talking about that, and yet he ends up just making those movies in the end because that's what he can sell. Yeah. So, as I was reflecting on the movie, yeah, and and I was telling you this that earlier is that I found that I prepare probably a little more heavily the, for this conversation than I do for some of my actual classes <laughs> that I teach sometimes. Uh, that I'm watching like hours of, of, of work for, <laughs> for a one-hour conversation. That, But I boiled it down to some themes. All right. two, two themes. One, the movie for me ends up being about juxtaposition. Yeah. And that is from a directorial, like a director point of view. It's about, like, for him... As a director, he was setting up juxtapositions the whole time. Juxtaposing this versus that, this, that. And, like, I can walk you through that 
And then the other is from the point of view of the characters that he's looking at is this delusion. See, like a, a search for significance and and dignity, yeah. But delusion on that journey, like so, like those are the two things you got: juxtaposition and then this, search. this, 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 yeah, delusional search for for dignity, right? Which itself is a juxtaposition. Like the juxtapositions that I saw is like like he he puts mom and Jack Horner against each other. Like they're like one closes the door, one opens the door. One's sitting in a seat. Right. No, the literally sitting. there's a scene where yeah. she closes the door and he opens it. And one half second later, yeah. he opens his front door and welcomes Dirk in. Yeah. Or you have like juxtaposition of the God only knows is playing at the end, which yeah. is like this happy like Beach Boys sound mm-hmm. on top of like this really kind of tragic tale. Yeah. So like you've got this bittersweet quality of that juxtaposition or or you have things like um like the party that's happening with juxtaposed with the od that's happening that they're hiding right well Um, also with the the tragedy of this marriage that's obviously very sad very unfortunate for little bill william macy's character and and the party incorporates his wife doing what she's doing juxtaposing the shot where you have the two talking business about sex which, which probably involves his wife. Right. While his wife is behind them in the shot, yeah. doing and it in the, in the, on, the, on the driveway. And the, the one guy, the lighting guy, is like, oh, well, I mean, it's not that important. It's just the lighting for the movie. And William Macy's saying, uh, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. This is going on. Uh, I'm kind of distracted. Yeah. And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, man. And then William Macy walks off, and the guy looks over. And then joins the party. And then goes over and joins watching her. Yeah. Yeah. But so that was the one side. The other side is this delusion of like Amber who really wants to be a mom, but she's coked out. She's convinced herself. There's a scene where she's in court and they're saying, you did this. And she goes, I didn't. And the judge said, well, did you really? Well, I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So you've got every single charge they made. She actually was doing. Yeah. You've got Dirk who thinks that Dirk and Don Cheadle who both think they're actors. Jack Horner who thinks he's making art. Amber who thinks that she's a mom. You've got like it's just delusion, 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 delusion. But all at the same time, they they form this dysfunctional family who's really searching to create this dignity for themselves which is where the movie ends yeah as they the the last long shot mm-hmm. uh that, long vertically yeah long from top to bottom like the long shot through the house oh sorry uh, you were talking about following something. jack which i thought another juxtaposition i was talking about something else. where you have this chiastic you know x structure yep. of jack going to maurice's house which was his club right and now at the end you have maurice who's in jack's house yes you know, uh, but like, and like everybody's there as a family. Even William Macy, who little Bill is on the wall, yeah, uh, yeah. goes with another delusion. By the way, of that person who thinks she's an artist, yeah, who's making these horrible paintings. Well, hold on. Of having, uh, I saw the juxtaposition. I saw was little Bill's drawing is on the wall. As it'd be like you have, oh, that's my grandmother, my my, my you know my poor deceased grandmother. It, like it is a place of honor. Almost right above where he blew his own yeah, I was brains trying to, out. I, I, I did try to figure out, is that where he shot himself? Darn close, if not yeah, exactly where yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there's this the really horrible drawing of him hanging on the wall. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did you have any... We've talked about the characters we liked. We've talked about the scenes we liked. we talked about the music we liked. What about a character that you didn't like? Just kind of wrap up this piece of the conversation. Um... Uh, I don't want to... So here, hold that thought. We have not mentioned this, and I have to mention uh, it. Throw it out there, man. That John C. Riley plays the same character in Step Brothers <laughs> that he does. That Reed Rothschild is Dale uh, Doback. Okay. So, like, I know they're not the same, but, yeah, like, but it's the same, it's the same character. character. So let, 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 if we're going to bring that out, let's let's bring out... We, we didn't touch on this on acting. Mark Wahlberg. Bless your soul, Mark Wahlberg. Same character he is in Happening. He he literally only has four, and three of them were in this movie. Uh, There's the soft-spoken, I'm going to be the nicest person in the world character. There's the the karate-loving, cool, sweet, 
I'm whipping my hands around like I know karate right now. Oh wait. Anyway, so there's that, and uh, and and then there's the the angry when he was angry at his mom, yeah. saying, "Don't do that." Yeah. That's slime yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah. Don't do that, mom. Three, three. I am smart. I want to be something. I think the director made an interesting choice in having him actually grab his mom by the neck and throw her up against the wall for all yeah. of a half a second. But he pulled back immediately and then left the house. Something a lot of people don't know, a scene removed from the movie is he's at Jack Horner's house and uh, they get this phone call that his parent, this was not in the movie, it was cut, his parents were killed in a horrific car accident. Yep. Which is why they were never in the movie again. Yep. Uh, they were, they were, at, they actually died. But anyway, th- that was one of the things my wife said uh, after the second time we watched it. Yeah. She was Where'd like, they go? Where'd the parents go? You'd think, especially when he was completely down on his luck, he would have at least stopped in to see if maybe mom and dad, he was at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, rock bottom. All right. Anyway, they were gone. So part of the storyline that uh, wasn't all that clear, but, but gets clarified when you learn some of the details. All right. Let's move forward. Uh, let's talk about... Did, did you have any characters that you just didn't really care for? I did not like either the Colonel's character or the very thin uh, girl who OD'd at the party. The minute the Colonel got out of the car uh, and then the girl You're got like, out of the she's car... She's going to OD. Yeah, for some reason. I, I don't know if they reminded me of somebody I've known before or whatever. I just had this adverse, immediate reaction to them. And the fact that both characters end up out of the movie, effectively, yeah. in, a, in like the one worst possible dead, way. The other one's getting like beat and gang-raped in prison because, because he's, he's a, a pedo. pedophile. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and even Jack Horner. No, he said he didn't do anything. Standards. He just like he liked looking at the stuff. Even Jack Horner, even Burt Reynolds' character, had standards and disassociates yeah, from the colonel. He's like, "Are we still friends?" I'm Click. And you, you could see the colonel's voice behind the window, like, "Are we mouthing, still friends?" Say we're friends. Yeah, and then, and then at the end of the movie, there's a new financier. So obviously, Jack Horner has connections. All right. So yeah, those are the only two that I would throw out there, and. Typically in a movie, I have characters I don't like because they were acted poorly. I just don't have any to throw out there right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I even like John C. Riley's character, even though it was a recognizable character of his. Um, you know, uh, even though it was one of his kind of characters out of his toolbox that he brought, that he used, uh, you have to kind of give him a little bit of a break because this was a very early John C. Riley movie. So we hadn't seen this character before when this movie came out. We saw it later with Will Ferrell. So. so, can I just say one thing? Yeah, whatever you want. And this is not about how the characters were acted themselves, like how how the how these characters got were acted. Like I thought overall, the actors involved did a great job. Burt Reynolds actually he he got nominations Top. and he and, and he oh, hated he, he he went around saying he hated the movie. And Mark Wahlberg said he probably cost himself an Emmy nomination, an Oscar nomination, an Oscar win because he, he you could see it through yeah, his performance. He he pooped in his kitchen. Yeah, he kind of did something we we also didn't discuss about Burt, Burt Reynolds, and, and I'm glad you threw that out there. His, his hair is should have won. You said you t- told me earlier his, his hair should have won hair. an Oscar. His hair alone. I've seen Burt Reynolds with no toupees. I've seen him with bad toupees. With, nah, that's a toupee. This hair was, as there weren't that many special effects. This was one of them. It stands the test of time. It looked amazing. It I did. wish I had hair like it that. Did. It oh did. my gosh, he looked amazing. All right, man. It is time for us to talk about the Facebook poll. Uh, right now, uh, on the Facebook poll... Um, uh, for, uh, Boogie Nights, it says Boogie Nights is our second Pantheon nomination, uh, for season four, that's 2019. Does Boogie Nights belong in the AV Pantheon, the poll majority, so the majority on the Facebook poll, uh, so if you have not voted yet, actually, even if you have already voted in the Facebook poll, this is the point when all of us should go there, because, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna vote, and the winner... Yes, no, of the Facebook poll ends up being one vote in the Pantheon uh, uh, overall vote. There are nine Pantheon members of the council. There's one guest voter, and then they each get one vote, and then the winner of the Facebook poll counts as one vote. So right now, Doug and I are going to uh, vote 
uh, on Facebook in the poll. And separate from my vote, separate from my vote, I'm going to say, just as a quick prediction, that I think that Boogie Nights may edge barely to get into Pantheon. I think there are there will be people on the on the council who disagree enough or don't think that it measures up for whatever reason, but uh, I think that it may actually win. What do you think, Doug? I don't know. I'm not asking for your vote. No, no, I, I'm saying I don't know. Like, and I, 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 here's where I am. I think what you said is spot on. Okay. I think that it it just might pull through. It needs like it needs seven votes yeah. out of the eleven. Yeah. One that you already got one from the Facebook. Facebook poll. You got is one overwhelmingly yes. You got one from from the nominator. The nominator, Jeremy Clifford. Jeremy? Right. No. No. Uh, Ryan. 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 Oh Sorry, yeah, no, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Sorry. Yeah, because we were chatting. Sorry, Jeremy. We Sorry, were Jeremy. chatting about Ryan. stuff afterwards the last time. Last and month. It prompted yeah. him to think about this film. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, so Patricia. I had, I had mentioned to you, like, earlier, I had looked at her previous list of ten. There Will Be Blood is on the list, and that is a yeah. Paul T. Anderson film. And my but response was, was that they're very different films. They are, because you like Peter Jackson's earlier stuff. That's right. And would not put Lord of the Rings necessarily on your favorites list. Yeah. Well, only because it's boring. <laughs> oh, no, no. For a lot that's of a, reasons. That's a conversation. That's a different discussion. No, I've got... It, it, it's nothing against the movies. i got a short attention span. Those movies are three hours long. I barely do anything for three hours. You know. You could poop for three hours. No, nah, I can't. No? Like, I'm lactose right, intolerant. That's right, another fine. story. Well, no. So, I think... And if I just had to come down to it... Maybe I'm no So, So, there is, like... What, what was the we, thing we've that been you talking said about all the pigs. last year to somebody else uh, that Brad had used the phrase "gun up, gun up your butt"? Like I don't know why that's a thing, and he talks about that stuff a lot. Guns, guns in your butt? Yeah, like guns and genitalia. That's it's really weird. awkward. It's so it really is. No, if, so you're if, saying if he were here, gun to your he head. would feel weird about it. I know the phrase is "gun to your head," but he oh. puts it in your butt oh. and then takes it and puts it in that's, other people's butt. That's it's weird. Uh, it feels like it would, it's weird. You should wash that gun. Unhealthy. That's what I yeah. say. No, there there are phrases like uh, so. Sean Levy of Portland, Oregonian said it's possible to be dazzled by a movie and still not like it very much. I agree, and I think that there are people who will just be that they cringe too much at the movie. So here, so here's where I'm at. For me, I'm not sure it deserves Pantheon, but I think it'll get it. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so and that's that's our that's our uh, that's our. So well, the question is, would Patricia you brought up Patricia? With... Yes or no? Yeah. What do you think? So I don't know Patricia, but but. Based on what I know about her previous and her top ten, I think she's a maybe. She's not a no. That, that's strong words. <laughs> way to come! Way to come down on the middle side yeah. of that one. I don't yeah. straddle many things, but on this no. one, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. So, I mean, if we were to ask an expert, you know, maybe like if I was to phone a friend, would Patricia vote yes or no? You know, what kind of answer would I get for that? So, and I'm thinking that it's going to be yes. Yeah, you'd say yeah. that. So, and then, like, all you have to do now, so you've got That's two three. votes, three votes, four other people out of the rest have to, four, you know, have to say yes. So. I think we're, I think we're close. I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, my guess is that Brad would say yes. So we only need three more. Yeah. I guess what Kyle would do, but legitimately... Kyle does everything the opposite that I ever think. Well, then he what do you do. think he would do? Yeah. No, no. What, so what do you think he would do? Because would, it's the opposite. Of so that. I would say I was leaning towards no. So he'll See, probably, so say he'll yes. probably yes. say yes. Yeah. No, we need two more yeah. votes. Okay. So I, yeah. I'm not pulling for it. To be honest with you, in this this specific case, I would see why it would and wouldn't. But I think it's going to edge it in like seven. That's my that's my gut yeah. feel. And then if it loses, it's six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And then if it loses, it's six. This, this, like, to be honest, this feels like a tough one. Like, like this is this in when when you're doing research that this is one of these types of things where it's like the result is that it's murky. Yeah. Like for me, like this is not yeah. this is not a definite no, and it doesn't feel like a definite yes. I got you. Either this feels like uh, for me, if I had to list the reasons that it wouldn't be Pantheon, like it's way too long. It, that that is a problem. That like the story at some that at a certain point just kind of drags on. Uh, that that it could have and should have been edited down. Yep. Uh, two hours to, to make to make it into a two hour movie. There, there are two full music interludes. The whole song is played, much uh, like some other movies. Yeah, <clears throat> Miami Connection. Yeah, where you have to watch them perform an entire song in a movie. Even the garbage song like that was from the original Dirk Diggler. That like yeah. I know they wanted to do a nod to it. They didn't have to do the whole thing. And they didn't need that many scenes from. And then the, on top of it, yeah, the, the cut yeah. scenes. And then on top of it, that just for me the general vapidness of this world and characters that it just it didn't quite ring with me. Like it, like I. <laughs> I know that I, I know this is well, wrong because of a different world. I know yeah. I know it's wrong for me to like want more uh, redemption. Yeah, that I I'm not sure that the uh, the, I mean, the honestly, little scene at the end where they were just kind of in the house together was enough. Right. Well, and yeah, they and they didn't. Yeah, he didn't and we haven't talked about anything. like him unveiling Raging Bull style his his Johnson his Johnson. Yeah, he whipped it out. Yeah, which, right there at the end. Which was only the prosthetic was only seven inches long because it looked freakish when yeah. they'd used the twelve inch version. Because Marky Mark is much shorter He's than not John a very Holmes, tall guy. Yeah. So it was a full one sixteenth yeah. of his body. Yeah. So and and uh, uh, the two, but it was two little be, side notes. He yeah. whipped that thing out to in two scenes that were filmed, but uh, his back was to the camera, or they edited the shot so you couldn't see it. Uh, but in front of both Amber Wave's character, uh, Julian Moore's character, and Heather Graham's roller girl character, he whipped it out to get a specific reaction from the actress and got the reaction that you would expect. So those reactions were filmed were pretty normal. I feel really bad for it. I just voted no on Fair the enough. poll. Um, no, you could vote. No, I, I feel bad for it because I think that this movie is not a bad movie. It's just I want there to be a ceiling. I like... That's higher. Yeah. Like, the, I want, like, when, for me, and yep. this is this is where it all comes down to subjective. For me, when I want something Pantheon, I want something that is, like, ironclad. That there is, that there's really almost nothing I could say wrong with it for me. And I don't want to just throw this in your face, but at some point in your life where you asked if the best worst movie in the world should be Pantheon? Or uh, should be considered as Pantheon? At one point during the discussion. Yeah. For a genre film. For a genre. And the reason why I'm saying it is not to be... That's why I said I'm not throwing oh, your yeah. face. is not to be like, yeah, but that's not what you said last time. What I'm saying is, it's not like you have such high standards for everything no, that no. you can't possibly put something in. It's in this case, there were just too many strikes against this the is, movie. This is a character... So I get what they're doing. Like the like there was a story arc for sure, but this is an ensemble cast yeah. in a period piece. Yeah. And there's other movies that I've seen ensemble cast in a period piece. Good fellas. Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Like uh, other things that Casino. Like, uh, yeah, that that really kind of uh that for me edge it out a I, little bit. I'm with you. I'm with so. you. I did vote yes in the poll. Uh but I voted yes in the poll because I didn't feel like there were enough negatives but that's just me that's yeah. the subjective part of the whole concept all right let's wrap it up uh any final comments before we close uh you go first all right uh i think that the backstory behind the reason for the movie the backstory behind the things of what occurred when the movie were made and the reasons why the characters are what they are was probably more interesting than the movie itself. I uh, would totally agree with that. And I also believe that um, uh, someday someone is going to take this movie, much like uh, a JFK or, a, or uh, another ensemble piece, and it's going to be the connection between 
you know, the, 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 the five steps of Kevin Bacon or whatever, seven steps of Kevin Bacon game um, because of how many people are in it and how many people started their careers in this movie and then went off to do so many major things elsewise. And the interconnections movie between the actual porn industry, and I believe there were three or more actual porn stars that were in this movie, um, named in the movie, uh, in, you know, roles in the movie, that I think that it's going to be uh, one of those pivot points where there's connections between members. Um, I really like this movie, but I, I didn't vote yes on Pantheon because I really liked it. I voted yes because I evaluated it based on, you know, the aspect. Sure, of and I totally agree with that and the story behind it. And I really enjoyed kind of like learning the background to this uh, and kind of researching what went into this movie and like the, like everything about Paul Thomas Anderson in the background. And I watched several movies uh, that Putney Swope, I watched that and I watched the <laughs> Dirk Diggler story. Um, and I thought that overall that there were so many good and cool things about this movie that as a piecemeal, uh, as a piecemeal object or artifact that you could use this to teach really cool things about doing f film making work movies. and making movies, and you could show like you could show here's how to do really cool long shots, here's how to do cutscenes, here's how to break in these these splice shots, here's, here's how to do sex scenes without being disgusting yeah. sex scenes. Like here's here's how to. Uh, not discuss the like not show the monster until the last minute of the film like that everybody's it, looking at that everyone's looking Talk at about a MacGuffin and at the very very Holy end God. like it comes out and you're like yeah, oh no that's a penis it's just really long it's a big uncut penis yeah yeah and like and you look and you're like yeah nope you're a circus freak yeah that like that is but we knew it yeah no we knew it but you're like that is like I that puts you in a different that's your thing yeah. And what is it like to live in a world where your one thing one is thing. just your appendage happens to be larger? Right. And it doesn't actually make your life better, you know? Um, but overall, together, I feel like the movie fell apart. For me, on the youthfulness and the young... The, 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 uh, the, the youthfulness and immaturity of Paul Thomas Anderson as a director. The director himself. And this is why... Burt Reynolds, well, among other things, this is one of the reasons that Burt Reynolds got in, got in a fight with him yeah. during the filming Tried of it. Tried to punch him. Because, as according to Burt Reynolds, it, he said, it was every freaking shot we took was like the first time he had done it. Yeah. And I thought, like, this is a genius in the making. Yeah. But this film... Was it? reveals his youthfulness because he was like, I want it three hours and I want an NC-17 and I don't care if anybody sees it and then right. like fights to have it two hours and 35 minutes which is just like for our for our North American normal consumption of movies too long. It's just too long. Like we like it's just like oh, I feel like this was a two part movie Yeah, that I watched one and a half parts to. So I, I don't want to get into a, a big yeah. long extended discussion but uh, what would this movie have been? I, my thought, my last thought is my final thought of this whole thing. What would this movie have been like if he had made it ten years later? Yeah, and I think it would. I think holy God. And and I wouldn't. I I wouldn't be. I feel like I would not. I would give it a yes at that point because probably by that point that he had developed some other skills and also he would listen to the people had, around him had gotten a more of a critical eye of yeah. what makes a successful movie. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. All right. Well, as always, I hope everyone has enjoyed our episode today. Uh, we can be found, of course, at Adventures in Videoland on Facebook, adventuresinvideoland.com. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we find you, Doug? Mostly on the Facebook page. On like, the Facebook? Like, regarding Adventures in Videoland, finding me on the Facebook page is largely where I'm where I'm at. I am also there on the Facebook page. I have my own Facebook page. Uh, you can also find me uh, and Duck. We both uh, are faculty at Purdue University. And we love movies. We love talking about movies. That's why you're finding us here. You can uh, uh, always keep in mind that the conversation begins and ends on Adventures in Video Land on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Video Landers, stay classy, San Diego. That, say, I, I don't think. 
See, you made fun of me last time for saying peace out. Yeah. And you totally duffed it I'm, on this I, one. I did. Uh, wait, let me try. Let me do it again. Uh, how about make good choices no. and remember no. your mother and I love you. Oh, come on. That's... Oh, jeez. How about some just... No, I... No, we're going to leave it at that. No, that's it. Stay warm. Stay warm. Yeah.